0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, my thoughts on day one of Falcons free agency. Is there a new sheriff in town? And the Hawks weren't ready for last night. It's all next Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports landing into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. You can leave us a comment as well. Free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire is two more ways that you can listen to us and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So what were my thoughts about Falcons day one of their free agent period or legal tampering or whatever the heck they call it nowadays? So uh, Brandon Pinyon, let's start with Brandon Pinyon. Okay, we'll get that one quick and out of the way. Look, I like the idea of having Pinion here. I like the fact that we have our punter and kicker long-term signed under contract. If you trust those guys and you don't feel like that you have to go shopping somewhere else, lock them up to long-term deals, even if it's three, four years, lock them up to long-term deals and keep those guys around. So I'm fine with Brandon Pinion. I I, I like it. And I, I think it's smart to have your kicker and your punter locked up for the long term. So you don't have to try to go out and find a guy, deal with free agency. Is he getting a bump or you don't have to deal with any of that mess, okay? Um, the Chris Lindstrom extension, or you know, contract, uh, you know, five years, hundred five million dollars, okay? Chris Lindstrom, I'm gonna say it, and I've said this thousand times on this podcast. I'll say it a thousand more times on radio. Chris Lindstrom is the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. The best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. He's a dominant player. He deserves every bit of the 5-for-105 that he got from this organization. And when you have a guy at that caliber and that good of a player, you do everything you can to lock them up long term. Yeah, they were going to re-sign Chris Lindstrom. Now he's got the highest deal for an interior offensive lineman in history because he deserves it and they didn't go on the cheap or try to get a hometown discount or anything like that. They paid him pure market value for what he's worth. And when you have guys that help you win football games, and this is where I'm gonna get frustrated here in a couple minutes, win football games, you make sure you take care of those guys. Now, let's talk about the two Saints players, David Onyemata, and uh, Caden Ellis. All right. Onyemata is a really intriguing prospect because, yes, he's been around for a while and he's 30, 31 years old. He's going to be a nice pairing with Grady Jarrett. He's a disruptor in that defensive line. Now, look, I wanted Hargrave. Okay. I wanted Draymond Jones. I wanted those kinds of guys. But Onyemata, obviously, he has the relationship with Ryan Nielsen, I think that had a lot to do with it. And he's a good value. I mean, he's, you know, $11, 12000000 million a year, AAV. So he's a good value for what they got. I like him a lot. And I think he can be a disruptor on that defensive line. And oh, yeah, he's got some pass rush ability as well. He gets quarterback pressures. He hits the quarterback a fair amount. And he even picked up five sacks. Okay. Do you know what five sacks is? That's our second leading total on this club. Grady had six. He had five. That'd be our second best total. So I like that move. Caden Ellis is a project. Look, he's had one good year. He's been a backup for most of his career. He's going to be 28 years old come July. And he's had one good year. Now, it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't first team all pro or anything like that. But seven sacks in his 11 starts. So where does he trend? Does he trend in this uptick or does he trend kind of where he was his first few years? He is a real wild card. They overpaid for him. His market value, according to all of the website, you, you pick whatever, 15,000 websites. The market for him said two for eight and a half. They signed him for three for 21 and a half. It's not very much money. So you're not overspending on a guy, but they paid above market value to get him here. Again, a guy that knows Ryan Nielsen, a guy that has connections with our defensive coordinator. So I'm willing to roll the dice. I wonder if Rashawn Evans gets out of the mix now. does he does he become a guy that becomes expendable with Kay Nellis, with uh, Troy Anderson? Does he become a guy that they can move on from? I don't know. I'd like Rashawn Evans back, but maybe they feel like that they can move on without him. But Caden Ellis is a real wild card in this. Can he be the same player that he was last year or does he start to revert back to what he was for the first few years of his career and that was really just mostly a backup player? Now we get to Jesse Bates, okay? Because I've got a lot to say about this. So Jesse Bates was signed to the fourth highest contract for a safety in NFL history, the fourth highest contract for a safety in NFL, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. Now, as a player, did we need an upgraded safety? Because that's what everybody says, oh, we upgraded safety and all this kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, again, if you're going to sign a guy for $16 million a year, he better, he sure as freak, better be an upgrade. If you give him the fourth highest contract in the history of the league, he better be a massive upgrade. He better be first-team All-Pro. Now, he was second-team All-Pro back in the pandemic year. But he better be first-team All-Pro to justify the contract because and i'll ask the same question how many sacks does he get well javon Hartgrave was off the market and, uh, okay okay we're not going to win until we devote capital draft money resources to getting guys who come off the edge and sack the other team's quarterback okay that's we've talked about this on the podcast 40 million times. We have to dedicate all of the resources necessary Overpay guys, draft as high as we possibly can. Again, the top 10, top 20, and top 25 active sack leaders in the NFL come from the first round of the NFL draft. If you could have anything in your life that had a 70% success rate, would you take it? Of course you would. So you have to draft either really high in the first round, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. 70% of the top 25 active Sacklers come from the first round. And who's the team that signed him? Javon Hargrave? Oh, yeah, it was the 49ers. Oh, did they need him? I mean, they only have Varner, Armstead, Key, you know, uh, uh, Bosa, you know, they only got 15 guys on their defensive line. Did they really need him? No, but they're positioning themselves from strength. I like Bates as a player. But when we start dedicating these resources to guys who play 10 yards off the ball, that's where I get frustrated. You can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback there's no such thing. The last 14 participants, not just winners, but the loser in the Super Bowl, going all the way back to the Falcons, the last 14 Super Bowl participants have averaged 43 and a half sacks, 43 and a half sacks. I can give you all the numbers all day long about the number of playoff teams. And and if, and if when you have 38 or more sacks, 70% of the time, you're a playoff team. I can give you all of these numbers. But until everybody buys into it, and we understand what this is all coming down to, that's the only thing that frustrates me. He's a really good player. But he plays 10 yards from the spot of the ball. And he's the fourth highest paid guy ever in the history of the league in his position. So again, I ask, how many sacks is he going to get me? Because until we get to 40 sacks, don't, don't get me in the conversation of we're playoffs or we're this or we're that or whatever. When we're a 40 sack team, then we can start talking about playoffs or at least a 38 sack team. Then we can start talking about playoffs. But that's my only hangup is where he plays for the money allocated. He needs to be a first-team All-Pro this year to be able to justify what that money was. All right, let's talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, And when you sign up today at FanDuel.com, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to props to point scores everything in between, and then you can even combine your bets for a bigger chance to win with the same game parlay. So head to fanduel.com slash locked on today, fanduel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no sweat first bet, where if your first bet loses, you can get as much as a thousand dollars in bonus bets, simply by going to fanduel.com slash Locked on. You can go there, learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So is there a new sheriff in town? So Taylor Heineke was officially signed, comes home from College Hill High School, coming on home to play for the Atlanta Falcons. Two for 20. I like this deal. And and I I like it for the same reasons I like Jacoby Brissett, the same reason Tyler Hyde. It doesn't matter what the name is on the back of that jersey, okay? What I was looking for more than anything in this is a guy who has started in the league and can push Desmond Ritter. And I want this to be a fair and open competition. Not handing the keys over to Desmond Ritter. I want this to be a fair competition and open competition. Because if Taylor Heineke plays really well and he gets the starting job, then I know instantly I need to be in the quarterback business. Instantly I know that I need to either address in the offseason trading for a quarterback, drafting a quarterback. I know that I need to be in the quarterback business at that point. Because Taylor Heineke is a guy who can win some games, he can start for you, he can fill in as a backup, he can maybe mentor a little bit, whatever all the folder all is. But if he comes in here and they have a legitimate competition for that job, that's what I want more than anything. And I wanted it with Jacoby Brissett. Again, it doesn't matter what the name is on the back of the jersey, I don't care what their name is. I just want the competition, number one. And number two is see if Desmond Ritter can win this job because I'll have a lot more confidence going into the season, if this is a legitimate competition and Desmond Ritter wins the job. Because if not, then I'm thinking you're going, this'll be Desmond Ritter's last year to really get a chance to do anything. Because if he can't start, if, if he can't win the job and start right out of the gate, then you have to move on. I'm not saying you cut him or whatever, you practice squad him, or you look at going into the quarterback market, either through a free agency, through a trade, or through the draft, wherever that ends up being next season. So this is healthy, this is good. Now, make no mistake about it, Taylor Heineke got paid top-end backup money. And that's another reason why I think that he's gonna be in competition for the starting job. And this is why Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank have made it a point to say, or not say really that he's quarterback one, that he's QB one. You know, they did that with uh, Sam Howell in Washington for the commanders where Taylor Heineke played last year, right? They said, Ron Rivera said, hey, Sam Howell's our QB one going into this offseason. Okay, well, they, you know, Wentz gone, Taylor Heineke gone and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to roll with Sam Howell. But this organization did not talk about in terms of Desmond Ritter, Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank. Hey, he's our QB one, and this is why. You make this thing a competition. Did do I think that Desmond Ritter did a lot of good things to end the season in the four games he played? Yes, I think he got better every single week. He was two and two, and he played well. Played well enough that he gave me confidence at least going into the off season that if I have to roll with Desmond Ritter, then I'm okay with that. Now this puts the bed to Lamar Jackson because you're not paying Desmond Ritter, a two for 20 backup quarterback and paying $250 million for Lamar Jackson. So now we know officially that if there were any rumblings about being in the Lamar business, this puts all of that on the, puts the kibosh on all of that puts a stop to all of that. And look, personally, I was not in the Lamar business, but you never know about the Falcons. They were in the Deshaun Watson business last year, and I think they got scared off when they saw the actual amount of money. I, I had I had this discussion today on the morning show. If the Ravens, if, if, if let's say the Falcons, okay, offered a four for $200 million contract to the Baltimore Ravens, would the Ravens match that offer? If you're the Ravens, you would absolutely match that offer. Even at $50 million a year, even at $200 million guaranteed, you'd match that offer. You'd be a fool not to. So that was always this thing about, and the Ravens would have five days to match the offer or not match the offer. So you start missing out on free agency because you can't sign a whole bunch of guys. And the Falcons have about, I don't know, $45 million in, in money available to them. But all of that said, They're not in the Lamar business now. So you got Ritter, you got Taylor Heineke, you got Logan Woodside for whatever that's worth. And I still hope, and I still want the Falcons to go into the draft and on day three, find them a quarterback to draft. Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett, Jake Hayner. I want want them to go in to this draft and still draft themselves a quarterback on day three. The only exception to that rule is if somehow, and this will never happen, but somehow if C.J. Stroud fell down to number eight, then I'm taking Stroud. And I'll take him all day long, twice on Sunday, eight days a week. So unless that miracle of all miracles happens, the Falcons, I hope, ride with Desmond Ritter. But this is good competition for him. And this is a way to push him, push him in camp. And certainly they, you know, didn't make this move if they didn't feel like Taylor Heineke couldn't come in and start and win them some games. So it will be interesting to see, but I'm pulling for Desmond Ritter in this, but it it needs to be an open competition. All right, besides making hitting hard with John Trucker, your first listen every day, make sure you make locked on sports today, your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available Odyssey, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. Boy, last night was disappointing at State Farm Arena. The Hawks got blown out last night, 136-115. They gave up 40 points in the first quarter. They gave up 76 points in the first half. And you know what? they look like a team that was not ready to play now maybe they needed a night off you know they had three games in four days and i'll credit mike conti who does pre-post and everything like that for the the hawks radio network he said they didn't they look like a team that was not ready to play and and that's what the look was they were not ready to play last night so here's the thing you know yeah defense is still an issue I think uh Quinn Snyder's three and five now in his coaching record, okay? You know, and we're still trying to evaluate. We're we're hanging on to the eighth seed. You know, the Heat won last night, so they picked up a game on the Atlanta Hawks. So it's becoming more and more. Listen, it's what five and a half games with 13 to play for the sixth seed. We said last week that's not real, not reality. In, in no stretch of the universe are they catching now. Now it's um Now it's the Knicks because the Knicks were in the five spot and they traded with Brooklyn. That tells you how good Brooklyn has been even after dumping Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So we're not getting into the six seed. So now it's a matter of hanging on to maybe the seven seed, but I'm not even sure that that's reality, but absolutely making sure that they hang on to that eight seed. So worst case scenario is you're the road team in a play-in game that if you win, you advance. If you lose, you still host one more game at State Farm Arena against the winner of the 9 10 game. And that's, hey, listen, it is what it is, right? It's the reality of the situation where the Hawks are. But they look like a team that was not ready to play. Trey Young had a monster game last night. He had 41 points, seven assists, six boards, but everybody else. You know, uh, Trey was 10 for 10 from the line, but their three-point shooting, four for 22 last night. That usually tells you that there are some tired legs out there. You, you shoot that poorly, and the Hawks have had some of their issues on shooting the three. But four for 22, when Minnesota was 42.9% 40, uh, from three, almost 59% from the field, There were some tired legs out there so here's the thing now you've got a few days off in fact i believe today they will not even practice or shoot around or anything today is just a day off and then you get back into it on wednesday and thursday and then you get ready for golden state to come in here on friday night and you need to beat golden state you have to protect home court golden state's got their issues you need to beat Golden State. You have to handle your business against the world champions. Yeah, I know what they are and all this and, and all this kind of stuff. And the way the Hawks play defense, if, if the Timberwolves scored 136 last night, uh, you know, who knows? Steph may, you know, go for 60. I, who knows? But you have to find a way to win. If you got to win this game 161-160, you win it. If you have to, if you have to win this game 42-40, you win this game because they look tired and they were not ready to go last night. And whether it's legs, whatever like that, have a few days off, but now we got to get down to this home stretch because there's what 12 or 13 games left, I believe, uh, six now, So there's 13 games left for the Atlanta Hawks, 13 games left. Hawks have got to figure out a way to get this thing back on track and just accumulate some wins, right? You don't have to go on a 10-game winning streak and try to pass the Heat to the Knicks and the Nets and da, 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 da. We said this last week. Just hang on to the eighth seed. And if you get lucky and Miami starts to collapse, then we can talk about the seventh seed. Just make sure that you stay a game and a half ahead of Toronto to be in that eighth seed and not the ninth seed. Because now you got a whole new set of problems. At that point. If you're if you're 9-10, that just leads to a whole other set of problems. But hang on to this eight seed, regroup and get yourself together ready for Friday night. And look, we've talked about this. I don't know if it's must-win. You know, I understand that it's one game in the scope of 82 games, but we keep talking about these moments where we have to take advantage of the schedule. Golden State is, I believe, playing tonight on the West Coast, and then they'll travel here to get ready for Friday. So just like with Portland, you're going to pick up Golden State on the first leg of an East Coast tour. You have to take advantage of it. And the Hawks last Friday took advantage of the Portland Trailblazers, who are not a very good team, but they took advantage of them coming across the, the to the East Coast, maybe tired out, but certainly... The Hawks with a few days off and with Golden State coming in on Friday on the front end of a East Coast road trip, Hawks have to win this game on Friday night. Hawks have to win this game. And really at this point, we take it game by game by game. We, we break it down into the micro minutia of everything because we can only afford to take it one game at a time with a team like the Hawks because you never know from one night to the next what you're going to get. All right, we thank you so much for making Hit and hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen, the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button as we're climbing up toward 6,000 subscribers. So be a part of our ever-growing community. You can leave us a comment there as well. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including on the audio side: Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you download us today and check us out on those platforms. Roku and Amazon Fire are two more ways that you can check out our content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta.